Hey everybody, I am Stephanie Goss and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So this week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling a topic from the mailbag. We got a letter from a part-time associate and this associate is struggling with a whole handful of things. So we're going to try and narrow it down in this episode because this part-time newbie is really struggling with some interactions that she's been having with a technician that she's been paired with. And it sounds like this technician has a little bit of a queen bee attitude, but that doesn't matter. We're going to talk specifically about the context of how do you work part-time in a practice? And if you do it, how do you get the love? Because this part-time newbie is definitely not feeling it. In fact, I'm guessing that they're wishing Aretha would jump out and give some R-E-S-P-E-C-T because they are just not feeling it. Let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie, part-time lover goss. <laughs> I do love me some part-timers. How's I it going? You do love a part-timer. <laughs> you know, it's so, so funny because... I spent years managing hospitals in California and I could never, ever find someone who wanted to work part time. And then I moved here um, to where I live now in Washington and I can't find people who want to work full time. Everybody wants to work part time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it's I think it's I think it's growing. I think uh-huh. uh, I think for a long time in vet medicine, you know, the picture of a veterinarian was someone who was there yep. and available all the time and 60 hour work weeks and i just think it's the evolution of our profession is we have a lot more people who go you know what? i think i'm going to do 25 hours a week as a vet and then do other things or be with my family or do whatever i want to do or yeah. do another job i see that sometimes it's just interesting but yeah i i think it's becoming more common and i think that's where our industry is going yeah. And I don't I don't actually think that it's a bad thing. I think it's great that we have a lot more people who are setting boundaries for themselves and doing their own thing. And, um, you know, I having in this last year made some significant changes for myself in terms of my job. Like it is there are definite perks to having more flexibility than when I started out in veterinary medicine. That is yeah. for dang sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, no doubt. But everybody's no probably going, what are they talking about? Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say, too, with with um, part-time people are not the same as full-time people. Their experience is not the same as full-time people. It's not going to be the same as full-time people. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean they're not treated. We don't try to treat them the same, but just by the nature of their relationship, they're going to be perceived differently and they're going to have different challenges. And so uh, I don't think a lot of people talk about that. And it, uh, I was really interested to see the question that came in the mailbag because I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, I think that this is a great one. And so um, everybody's like, oh, gosh, they're just talking about part time people. Maybe this episode is not for me. And I will say that we're going to be talking about a challenge that a part time veterinarian is facing. Um, and at the same time, I think for the exact reason you and I just discussed, which is that more and more people are looking at how to have more flexibility and more and more teams are diverse in their scheduling makeup. I think that this is a problem that a lot of us are, if you've not faced it yet, are going to have to face at some point in time um, when you have team members who don't have the same full-time schedule as as everybody else. So we got a great letter in the mailbag um, that was from a newer veterinarian. And so she is our part-time newbie. And uh, she told us that she is having a hard time uh, right now because she started at a new clinic in the spring and she is working a lot with one of the uh, longtime technicians in their practice. And this is a person who's been with the practice for a number of years and they're also licensed. And so it sounds like from her perspective, she feels like there's a little bit of a queen bee mentality and this person can can, uh, be bossy. And um, she's feeling really on the struggle bus because she feels like she's not being respected. And so she gave us a handful of examples of some things, and we'll talk about them in the episode of things that have happened recently, where she feels like it's an indicator that she's not getting respect from from this technician. And she's really wondering how to deal with it. She said she she's 
tried befriending her and they seem like they they get along okay like she seems nice to her but um when it comes to being the doctor and trying to put on the i'm in charge pants she doesn't seem to be getting any any traction and so she was wondering when you're part-time how do you get how do you get respect how do you get the team to listen to you how do you get them to follow your directions um and how do you get them to just generally respect you without um in her words becoming that doctor that the techs and the assistants seem to hate yeah no i thought that was Oh, that was a great question. I, I just, it, it was, there's a, so, there's so much meat here. This is mm-hmm. a very meaty question. Mm-hmm. So, so let's, uh, I always like to split these into two pieces as we do. Yes. And the first, the first part is headspace. Yes. Um, so, well, let me, let me talk about how, why, why I like this topic so much as well, too. So I have been a part-time doctor for years and years now. Yeah. You know, I, I have been, I've been, you know, that part-time doctor in practice for, a long time. I work. Uh, I work two days a week in the clinic now, and uh, it's awesome, and I love it. But it is not the same as being a full time doctor. It's just mm-hmm. fundamentally not the same. And so I, I, I'm always excited when people ask me about something that I just didn't, never really thought about sharing because I didn't think a whole lot of people were in the same boat. Now I look around and go, well, obviously that's not true. Sure. Um, but uh, but this is we're gonna flex some muscles we haven't flexed before, so that'll be super fun. But the first thing is uh, headspace, right? Yes. And this is just, this is classic headspace, right? Uh, whenever a doctor talks to me about respect um, and and being respected, that always sends up some warning flares in my mind because that can get us into a really bad headspace, right? I, and I think the truth is um, we... Uh, people don't think about us as much as we think they think about us. Right. You know? Yes. And, and I think a lot of people are like, well, I said this and then they didn't do it and they don't they don't respect me. It's like, you know what? You said this and they didn't do it because they had a million other things going on and they did not think about you. Right. And not, <laughs> they forgot you existed because they were super busy doing other things. And yeah. it's not a slam on you. It's not an insult. It's not anything. It's just... Uh, or, or you asked them to do something and someone else had told them not to do that thing because it, con- or, you know, in the past and they didn't want to be disrespectful, but right. they didn't know how to tell you I'm not allowed to do that or I'm not supposed to do it. So they just kind of didn't do it. And uh, it's it's not a knock on your authority. It is uh, just them living their life and uh, and maybe maybe being non-confrontational. And so, yeah, I, I just... Anytime it's kind of like the flaming raging sword of justice. Yes. Uh, whenever, whenever I start getting worried about being respected, uh, that's you. It's often not really what's going on, and even if it is going on, it's still not a productive place for me to approach this problem from. Yeah, I mean, I I think when we were first talking about this and talking about that aspect of headspace, my first thought was, I I've been there. I felt like, gosh, this person is not respecting me or. Um, they're not listening to what I have to say. And I think it's human nature to think, to, to take that and and have a negative emotion that we attach to it ourselves. And on the other person's side, I have been, I think all of us have been in those shoes where you're not thinking about it at all. You're thinking about everything else yeah. that you have to do. And it appears outwardly, it can appear selfish, but it's just, you're thinking about, you and what you have to deal with in that moment. And so much of our lives are driven by our own perspective. And I think that this is definitely a case worth thinking about that and thinking really intentionally about assuming good intention on the part of the other person is really important because otherwise it would be really easy to get tied up in the negative emotions and just attach meaning to it that may not even exist in any way, shape, or form for that other person. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like, when I start thinking about how this person doesn't respect me, the second thought that I've kind of tied to that thought, which is a safety mechanism, kicks in and says, man, you're taking this real personally. Yeah. Like, you're taking this real personally. And, yeah. and and that's that's just not a useful, healthy place to come from. And so that's why I say warning flares go off uh, that, that this is this is probably not the right way to look at this. And so, uh, anyway, fir- first thing I would just say is, okay, uh, I want to take, if I say they're not respecting me, I am implying intentionality to them for sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I am, 
I am making assumptions about why they are behaving the way they are. And my assumption is that they are disrespecting me. Right. And that's just, that's just, it's just not productive. So yeah. So anyway, set, set that aside. I, I would say, you know, um, our doctor is clearly not reaching this person or they're not, they're not, they're not building a trusting relationship with this person or other parts of the team. And yeah. that, that can be frustrating and it does affect how we practice. The other part of being a part-time vet that I just think, uh, I think is so important to realize is you got to put on your empathy hat for a second and look at the experience that the rest of the practice has with you. Mm -hmm. So you walk in and you're there and you're like, I'm here, let's do stuff and, and include me in what's going on and loop me in. I am fully present. But for them, they're like, oh, here comes doctor part-time and... I can go to her with this question from this client, but it might it might not be it might not match up with the other vets, and they all will say something very similar, and she you know is not here as much, and she might say something sort of different, and then the other vets aren't going to like that thing because right. it's not how they do it, and then I'm going to have to fix it or apologize, and so it's probably easier for me just to go to the people who are here all the time and are probably naturally a little bit maybe on the more on the same page, or. They say, what if, what if I, you know, answer this question from this client and the client has more questions and then she's not going to be here and then I'm going to have yes. to get another doctor and that's not, so I'm just going to go to the other doctor. And yes. I think, I think when you just honestly look at the situation, there's a lot of barriers or there's a lot of reasons that the staff does not include the part-time doctor the way they include full-time doctors. Yes. And, and I will say, um, and I'll speak honestly from my own personal experience, like, that is, I, I have done that and I have operated that way in, in multiple practices now where you have part-time doctors because when you are slammed and you are up to your eyeballs in patients and clients, there is a thought that very easily goes through your mind. And it, ha it and this is why assuming good intent is so important because it isn't personal. When I think about that client and I think, okay, this, especially like when you get, it never fails that it's that super high needs client that really needs the hand holding. And you know that if you answer just the one question, they are going to call back tomorrow with 15 more questions. And then you're going to be up a creek because you're going to have to tell them, well, you know, Dr. Rourke's not here until Thursday again. So I'm going to have to call you back or you're going to have to get another doctor involved. It's really easy to think I can just sidestep that whole mess and go, and go to the doctor who I know is going to be here at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. When Mrs. Jones calls back with her 15 yeah. other questions, even if it's more work in the long run to have that doctor open the file and read the case and understand what's going on and fill them in, it's just human nature to to think about how to make that that easier, both for ourselves and for the client and patient experience. And it's not yeah, I, it's not personal. No, it's, it's not. I, I'll give you an example from a couple of weeks ago with with me is there was a client who called and she had questions about heartworm treatment for mm -hmm. her dog mm -hmm. and she could not afford the full on gold standard heartworm treatment, but she wanted to do the best that she could do. And it was a nightmare for me to work with her because it was not the treatment standard that the practice, it was not their default. Right. And you know what I mean? And it was sort of like, man, if she does not come in on the day that I am here, right. I'm writing these huge amounts of notes trying to explain, yes, I know this is not ideal. Right. I know this is not the protocol. There is, this is the reason why that we're very, you know, and just being able to hand this thing over to someone else is going to be, it's going to be a nightmare. And so if you're the technician and, and someone says, hey, this person has questions on heartworm treatments, uh, do you want to go to the person who's going to answer those questions and then not be here 80% of the time? Or do you want to go to the person who's going to answer those questions and then not be here 20% of the time? Um, the likelihood of of the pet owner coming in and dealing with the person who answered the question is much higher if you go to the full-time person. And again, Absolutely. I'm not saying this is how it should be. I don't want anyone to be like, yep, that that's Andy says that's how you're supposed to use part-time vets. I'm just saying in the absence of systems and protocols to incorporate part-time vets, that is the basic yeah. de facto process that happens uh, when when you have full time and part time vets working together. Totally. And I think so the the point of this next this next chunk besides assuming good intent was kind of being honest about 
you know, as a part-timer, what is your role in the hospital and in the lives of the techs? And I think that it's really true that when you have someone who you're working with side by side every single day, it can be easier to go to that person to make some of those harder decisions. And what and what I've seen on the flip side with part-time team members, doctors in particular, is that they wind up being easily drawn into like the friend space because they're not there all the time. They are the person who uh, can have empathy for people's various um, grievances or (laughs) frustrations and can be like the voice that people go to to talk to because they are an outside perspective and they're not the person that's there every single day telling the team what to do and how to do it. Um, just in the pure sense of managing the workload, not like you're there and you're a bossy personality, but just when somebody is there as a doctor and is leading the team day in and day out, it can be easy to want to go to the person who's not there every day for perspective. And so I think it's really important when you think about being a part-timer in a practice and how to how to integrate yourself, but also how to get the respect to the team. I think you need to think about both sides of those because the smartest way that I've seen it played is for the people who find that middle ground, because both sides can be detrimental if you swing too far one way or too far to the other. Being able to be in the middle is is a really important one. And and our newbie doctor did say, you know, I have tried to be friendly and be friends and do things to befriend her. And I feel like she seems to like me, but when it comes to giving direction, I cannot get her to do a single thing that I ask her to do. And that is the most frustrating part, I think. Um, and I think that that happens a lot because you you get relegated to that kind of friend role versus the leader role because you're not there every day. Yeah, I, I see that. I definitely see that. I think, I'll, I think often when I see that, it comes down to unclear expectations from the practice Mm -hmm. about what the role of the part-time vet is. Yep. Um, So so just sort of lay this out a little bit. Uh, You know, oftentimes the support staff wants to be really nice to the vet who comes one day a week, Mm -hmm. you know, but they've never been explicitly told this is how you interact with this veterinarian. This right. is what it means to work with them. This is the follow-up that's expected the next day when they're not here. This is what we do with blood work. And, and a lot of times people just kind of freestyle and like, oh, we'll just make it work. And hey, Dr. H is here. Um, just you know, jump in and help. And, and just a lot of times a little bit more clarity about, hey, this is what it means for our team to have a part-time vet coming in. And, you know, I, I honestly, a great way to do this. And you know that I love team discussions. I, I, I do. I love getting people in to talk. And I'm just like, all right, guys, we've had uh, Dr. Newby, uh, Dr. Part-Time, you know, here for a couple of months now. I just want to go around real quick and say, what is different about working with a part-time vet versus working with our full-time vets? What mm-hmm. have you guys noticed? What what was challenging? What's good? What do, what do you guys noticed? What, what do you like? Um and open that up for them to say, well, I don't know what to do when this happens. Mm-hmm. Or it's sometimes it's really awkward when this happens and your team will will show you the pain points. Yes. Um, and ideally, they'll show you some really good points and they'll say, this is really great. And you can go back to to Dr. Part-Time and be like, hey, you know, we we're uh, at the staff meeting. The, the the team said a couple of really nice things about you. I just wanted to let you know what they were. Um that's 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 wonderful. But having having sort of a, a conversation like that really can grease the wheels for smooth communication. I think on the flip side of that too, when you ask the team to get involved, like on on your from your perspective, Andy, as a as a part-time vet, don't you doesn't it also create an opportunity for you to think about what you need from the team and what like what do you want so like things like are you going to be called on your day off to be asked about your clients or is another doctor going to pick it up and does everybody know that is it going to be different every fifth wednesday because somebody you know has a has a brain fart and forgets that they're not supposed to call you like i would think that as the part-timer it would create some great opportunity to have conversation with the team about how do you want to be integrated and also what is reasonable 
to be integrated into the team because the reality is when you're working part-time, you're working part-time for, for some reason and the reasons can vary dramatically, but you don't want to have to be there every single day. And I can't imagine someone who's working part-time wants to be on call 24-7 the days that they're not, not there. So I would think that you would have to start to have some of those conversations and involving the team in them is probably a pretty good idea. Well, I, I think it, I think it's a necessary idea. I, I, I I'll tell you, I've screwed this up a couple of different ways. Um, early on in my career, I remember I had taken a new job. It was my second job. In my first job, they did not call the vet on their day off. That just mm-hmm. did not happen. It wasn't yeah. even discussed. It was just the culture was this did not happen. I'm sure right. it was discussed before I got there. Right. But there was never a discussion. It just didn't happen. And so at my new job, when all of a sudden the phone's ringing on my day off, I got kind of miffed. And I was like, why are you calling me? Right. Why are you calling me? Um, and and I just remember kind of a stunned technician on the other side of the phone. Like, what do you mean? Why am I why am I calling you with this? Like, and again, I. It's I, your patient. All, why wouldn't I call you? I exactly. And we all, you know, uh, I wish I had that one back. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I wish I had that one back, but, uh, but that was many years ago. And then I have also worked at a place where I have called on my day off to follow up. And the technician was kind of like, why are you calling me on your day off? (laughs) And and so so I have a hundred percent seen it both, seen Uh it both ways. And it's just like, no one ever discussed these things. I, I think to your point as well, and so this is this is some soul searching. I think the the part time veterinarians really have to do, and this is for everyone who's a part time vet, and something that I really struggle with. Um, I remember when I first went part time, and uh, it, it was kind of this this certain day that I still remember. Um, I had been part time, and I I came in and I was around, and there was a doctor's meeting, and I wasn't invited to it. They were kind of like, hey, us oh. real doctors or us full-time doctors are having this meeting. They're kind of like, it's a doctor's meeting. You don't need to come, Andy. Right. And, and like, I remember them closing the door oh, and oh, being no. outside. And I was like, yeah, I had this really weird emotion of just like, oh, man, I feel so, uh, you know, like voted off the island. Kind of like. Yeah, yeah I, felt, I really, I really felt very left out, and so I had to sit with that. And, but that was the beginning of what I think is a really important lesson for 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 part time veterinarians: is you really need to stop and think about how do you want to be involved in this practice, right? Because it is really easy to um, to say, "I want to be all in." I want to. I want to be involved in everything. Do you really? Right. I mean, do you really? <laughs> if you work there two days a week, do you really want to go in on your day off for the doctor meetings? Right. You know, uh, or are you okay just getting the bullet bullet pointed notes of the meeting and it's like, hey, here's what we decided, and you go, okay, check, I'll do it. Um, there's not a right or wrong answer. It really comes down to what do you want as the doctor, and what does the practice want as far as your involvement. And you need to hash that out because I've seen doctors that are part-time that just, just demand this level of involvement that is not feasible or practical for anybody. You yeah. know, it's like, look, we're not calling you three, four times a day to fill you in on what's going on. Like that's a drain on our resources that honestly doesn't make sense. And I have had, uh, you know, uh, practices be like, hey, this person clocks out and they're gone and we sometimes we have in questions that we have to follow up mm-hmm. with and they're just not available or they're kind of snarky about it. And we need to have a certain amount of access to this right. person so that they can be included. And it's 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 like any relationship. There's not necessarily a right or wrong. The answer is usually in the middle and the answer usually involves clear expectations. But to the doctor who who sort of says, you know, I try to be involved with the staff and I, I want to be there we have to accept the reality that that we are part-time yeah. and say, okay, given how much I'm here, what is my expectation for inclusion in staff training, in CE, in doctor meetings, in, you know, in decisions that are made, in updates on protocols? Like, how do these things happen and how much do I want to be involved? And how much do they want me to be involved? But but oftentimes those things are not sorted out. And, and it's funny because I see a lot of times these, this, 
conflicting emotions, right? I see doctors at war with themselves Mm -hmm. because they desperately want to be involved in all the things and don't call me on my day off, which is five days a week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, And and I say, you've got to sort this out yeah. <laughs> before and before you talk to them. You've got to sort it out in your own mind, in your own heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think so, too. And then and the, the other piece of this when you know, when you're talking about um, integrating and how are you going to be integrated into the team? And I'm going to I'm going to maybe offend some of my manager colleagues here for a second. When I when I read this email and I was was listening to um, our part time newbies concerns about trying to integrate herself as a part-time person, I have to ask, where is the leadership? Where do, where are they standing in this? Because when you have part-time team members, whether they're paraprofessional staff or DBMs, I think the onboarding process and integration into the team and the culture becomes even more paramount than when you have a full-time team member, because by the very nature of being together four or five days a week, you're going to get opportunities to eat lunch with people and get to know people and have the stupid, what did you do over the weekend kind of conversations where you learn the human nature bits about each other that help build the foundation. Because the reality is respect from a leadership position doesn't come without a relationship. The relationship comes first and the team has to know you before they're going to trust you. And so one of the things that I would look at as a, as a practice and as a manager is what am I doing to be intentional about not only bringing the part-timer into the team, and, and it starts with asking them a lot of those questions that you were saying, Andy, they, they need to think for themselves, like, what do, you, what do they want and how do they want it? But also setting the expectation for the team about how you're going to bring the team to the part-time doctor so that they have the opportunity to get to know them and that it is, you know, not like I'm forcing everybody to sit and hold hands at lunchtime, but <laughs> giving them the yeah. opportunity to get to know each other. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. So there, it's just, it's inclusion, right? It's, yeah. it's inclusion. And you, you just have to be, everyone has to be more intentional about inclusion in the clinic culture, yeah. inclusion in relationship building when you have someone who's not regularly there. And so part of it is having, you know, having a plans for things like, oh, we're going to have a team building thing. Or we're going to have a um, we're going to have a, a team cookout or we're going to get together and play what's on my scrubs as a, as a team. And it's going to be great. Uh, Dr. Andy If you haven't checked that out. Um, and <laughs> that's our new card game, which is super fun. But um, if, if you, um, you know, you part of it is being intentional about about things like that. Another part is just it's just like in a social setting when you have someone who's not around as regularly, it's really easy to forget about yes. them. You know what I mean? And let them. It's like if you have a friend group and you have a friend who doesn't come out to dinner for a couple of weeks in a row, it's easy for them to kind of fall off the text chain. And then you're yes. like, oh man, we we could have invited invited him along, and we just we just didn't. So part of it is just is just that level of of bringing the people in. Uh, the other part is, and again, I I, I go back and, I, you know, management's got a lot of things going on, and anything like that is helpful. I really do think that part of being a good part time veterinarian is that you have to recognize and kind of take the responsibility that you can. Yes. And recognize that they're all there. You're the one who's not there. And um, that's not fair. It's just what it is, which means if you want to be a part of what they are doing, they have each other, you know, like they're not, they're not lonely. (laughs) They have each other. If you want to be a part of what they're doing, then part of being a part-time vet, in my experience, is you have to make the intentional effort to build that relationship because it doesn't naturally form in the way it would if you were there 40 hours a week yeah. you know you yeah. just you you don't have those same water cooler conversations you know you don't just kind of casually chit chat with them at downtimes because you're you're not you're just not there as much so the natural amount of connecting time you have with the team is much less than it would be otherwise which means you probably are going to need to do a little bit more heavy lifting and do things like ask people about themselves, 
and pay and pay attention when they when they talk, you know, yes. and it's not dominating conversation it's listening, you know, but it, it really is taking an active interest in the staff and um, and just engaging with them and just enjoying them and making sure that you're having some not uh, business, not, you know, straight to the point transaction, but but knowing them as people, because that's how we build trust and that's how we build respect. So I was going to say it was really interesting because part-time newbie said, you know, I, I believe in giving respect to get it, right? And that is totally true. We have to give respect to get respect. And by the very nature of being part-time, your opportunities to give respect are much less than someone who is yeah. there every single day. And so the trust building into respect or the respect building into then trust, whichever way it it, it shakes out it's going to be a much slower incline than if you are together five days a week and the opportunities present themselves over and over all day long. Yeah. We, we talk sometimes in our, in our workshops and our seminars about um, organizational power and relationship power. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll say, you know, there's two levers you can pull. There's organizational power and there's relationship power. Organizational power is I'm your boss. I can Mm -hmm. fire you. I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it. Um, a relationship power is I'm your friend and I care about you and you care about me and we like each other. We respect each other and I need your help. And uh, and if you need my help, then I'll be there for you. You know, and that's relationship power. Uh, the only way that you show up and not know these people very well or have limited interaction with you them and you tell them what to do and they do it is organizational power. You know what I mean? And that what that means is the practice has to say, yep, this person is going to come in. We we have people scheduled to be with them. You're going to we're going to snap to attention. We're going to get those things done. It kind of has to be you almost have to have sort of this militaristic sort of culture of the doctor give tells us what to do and when we do it. I find that culture to be very rare and I think that's probably a good thing. That's yeah. not where how I want to work. That's yeah. not how I want to treat people. Is that how I want to be treated? Um it, it's just, it's just, it's just not. Uh, generally across the board using organizational power, meaning I'm your boss. Um, it's just a bad idea. It, it just doesn't work well in the long term. It makes people resentful. Relationship power is really uh, is really the only power that that there is. And so, again, when you have limited access to people, you are going to have to be intentional in building those relationships so you can leverage it. But yeah, I, I, you, you're not going to be able to come in and flex your muscles and get people to respect you. You're going to have to come in and um, and build the bridge, you know? Yeah. And it was it was interesting because one of the examples um, that our part-time newbie gave was feeling frustrated, like when they're the only doctor on and this technician um, will make or take a personal call and leave her hanging for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes while she's the only one on. Um, and it was interesting because when I first read it, I was like, okay, that's like super unprofessional. Um, Mm. And then when you and I were talking about it more, we were talking about boundaries and the differences between part-time and full-time. I started thinking about the flip side to that as a team member and trying to put myself in that technician's shoes. Well, when you're a part-timer and you have days off during the week and you can make personal phone calls and deal with what you need on your days off, that's great. But for a lot of our full-time team members, particularly in hospitals where they're still working a five day a week schedule, like if your doctor's office calls you back, sometimes you got to take the phone call. And sometimes you can't say, hey, I need to take a break in 30 minutes so I can go make a phone call. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you can't. And so I think empathy when you are in a part-time position is probably one of the strongest tools that you have in your toolbox, um, both for yourself and for the team, because their reality as full-time team members is not anywhere close to the same reality that you're going to have as a, as a part-time team member. And it's like, like you said before, it's not there, but it, it just is right. And we have yeah. to be able to give each other some grace and not look at little things like that. When you, this is where assuming good intent and the, the raging flaming sort of justice often come into play. Yeah. It's so easy to take something like that personally, when you're feeling disrespected, where if you zoom out, and have the capacity to look at it from from the space of perspective, it probably isn't personal at all, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I can see where that would feel really offensive, particularly if it was a crazy busy day and you were slammed and you're like, where the heck did she go? I need help. And at the same time, they could be thinking, 
well, I've missed this phone call twice. I have to, I have to take it. Like, you know? Oh yeah. No, I, I agree. And, and uh, it's funny how our minds work like that, where, you know, we say, I need this person's help. Where are they? They're not here. It's because I'm, <laughs> it's because I'm the part-time vet. They wouldn't do this to the other vets. I have no idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe they totally do that to other vets too. <laughs> and this is just a bit of behavior has been uh, allowed to slide. Maybe this is a once in a once in a blue moon thing that just happened to happen while you were working with me. I have no idea. Right. I, I think uh, I think assuming good intent is always a good play when you're coming in, you know, as a as a part timer and you're working with the staff is just uh, getting getting fired up um, when you don't have to. It's, it's just is just generally is generally not worth it. You know, part of part of being a good part time vet, I, I really believe, is you have to be able to balance wanting to be included and wanting, yeah, not not just being a higher gun. You want to be part of the team, and you have to be able to balance a de- a true desire to be part of the team with a little bit of an attitude of this is not my circus and these are not my monkeys. Yes. And- <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. But you have, you, like, I, I swear, like, you have to be able to hold both of those things in your mind, uh, in in order to be successful. Like, you you have to you have to want it and 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 want to be there. But um, you you're not at the doctor meeting, and your voice is not that loud, and it's not going to be that loud. And you know, you just kind of have to roll along with it. And and so, so you have to hold those two two things in your mind at the same time. And, and as part of that, and this goes back to the email from from Dr. Newby part-time as well, um, you kind of have to look out a bit for yourself just for yes. all the reasons that we've laid out before of you may not exactly be part of the systems the way that you should be or that you want to be. And you don't exactly know people as well as maybe you wish that you did. Um, and, and they're making decisions based on who they think is going to be available for follow up and things like that. And, you know, all those things are sort of going on and sort of flying all around you. Yeah, you got to want to be there. Uh, you've also got to realize not my circus, not my monkeys. And um, and, and you, you got to look out for yourself a bit, yes. which means... You know, you gotta you gotta check check your own work a little bit, maybe more than than you would if you were there all the time and you had really strong established relationships with the staff. Like, you kind of you know the, the staff is there, but anyway, the you know the less connected you are to those people, the more self sufficient you better be. Which means you know you double double and triple check in a way that you might not have to if you felt well connected and integrated into the team. Yeah, and I I think that that brings us to like the the crux of the email from our part-time newbie. Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in really quick right here and give you a heads up on some exciting stuff that is coming your way really fast. On August 14th over at the Uncharted Veterinary Community, my friend Sanani Ratnayaka is going to be teaching uh, the her secret sauce the secret sauce to optimizing workflow. If you want to get your practice to run more smoothly, right? If you want it to be more simple, if you think things could just work better, but you're not exactly sure how to make that happen, Sanani has got you on August 14th. That's a Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. to noon Pacific time. She is doing a half-day workshop on the secret sauce to optimizing workflow. That is free to Uncharted members. It is $199 to the public. I'll put a link in the show notes. And then I, yours truly, will be doing my 12 Steps to Critical Conversations on August 18th. This is a two-hour workshop. It'll be from 2 to 4 p.m. That's a Wednesday, uh, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going to walk you through 12 steps to get your head straight, to get your environment set, to, uh, to help you figure out what your objectives are, to help you avoid landmines, to make whatever hard conversation you're dreading make it go easier. Uh, give me a chance. Come and work with me. Let me show you how I look at this stuff and how I set it up. I would be thrilled to have you there. Again, that is going to be on August the 18th. It's a Wednesday and it is free to the uh, Uncharted members and $99 to the public. Links in the show notes. Guys, let's get back to this episode. You know, maybe this tech is toxic and maybe they need to go, but that's mm-hmm. irrelevant because what the biggest concern here is from the part-time newbie is there was a um, there's been a bunch of uh, things that have happened and we got some great examples. But one of them was there was an incident with a patient 
and everything was rushed. They felt like the technician was not paying attention to what they asked. Um, a pet got given the wrong medication and the part-time newbie was like, look, the, I, I own that. It's my responsibility. At the, at the buck stops here. And they were very clear about that, which was great. And at the same time, they were feeling very frustrated because they felt like if they had a trusting relationship with this technician and if the technician, if they felt like the technician had their back, they're wondering if this may or may not have happened. Well, it doesn't matter. It may or may not have happened. But to your point, Andy, this is why I think as a a part-time doctor in particular, you can have the hospital help put systems and protocols in place to respect your boundaries. And at the same time, when you aren't there every day, life happens when you're not there. Mm-hmm. And so people move where things get stored and drugs that are on the shelf get changed and the processes and protocols evolve whether you're mm-hmm. in the building or not. And so as the part-timer, I think a part of it is settling in your own brain, how you want to be involved and what your boundaries are and recognizing that you might have to do as much, if not a little bit more work than full-timers to stay involved and up to date on what is going on because life is going to happen and things are going to change. And at the end of the day, it is your patient and it is Mm -hmm. your, it is your, ethics and professionalism as a DBM, you we know that you want to take care of your patients. And so part of that is knowing all of the things and it's slowing down and saying, hey, I haven't been here all week before we get started on these procedures. Can we review things? Can we, you know, like taking the extra step and extra time and, and being honest with the team about what you need and how you need it so that you can feel safe. I would think that I, I can't imagine even... Well, I guess I could imagine the most toxic of texts, but almost anybody, I couldn't imagine if you asked them, hey, can we review these protocols before we get started? Because I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I I can't imagine someone being so disrespectful to say no to that. Like, that's their job. And realistically, if they were that disrespectful and said no to that, then that's something that you can take to your hospital leadership and say, this is a clear, concrete example where they are being insubordinate and I need help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that that's exactly it. Right. This is, it's a relationship like, like so many other relationships we have in vet medicine where it's like, I want to be supportive and I want to be helpful at the same time. I'm not interested in being an abusive relationship. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I, there's a, there's a certain person I'm not going to work with, but that person is pretty rare. Right. And it has to be pretty egregious before I go, hey, look, I have real problems working with this person. Yeah. And and when I say that, I'm going to have written down concrete examples. So this happened and this is what was said and this is how it went and this was the outcome. And then two weeks later, this is what was said and this is what happened and this is the outcome. And patient safety is being compromised and put in jeopardy. And, you know, I'm, I'm not being treated with any respect and, and I don't want to work with this person. Yeah. Uh, like that's a conversation we can have. And, and ultimately, I think for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, the knowledge that it's OK to have that conversation if it gets to that point is what we need to relax and just actually work with somebody. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so, so when, so Steph, when you and I have this conversation and we say, you know, I want to I want to know this person I work with this person. I want to earn this respect. All that's true. Uh, with the obvious caveat that I'm not going to be treated like crap mm-hmm. and abused. That's yeah. just not, that's, that's not on the radar. That's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I think as long as you kind of know that and say, well, you know, if this continues to happen, then, then we can say something about it. You know, that that's, that's definitely, that's definitely possible. And we can do it in a way where we're not running to the management every day saying, ah, oh, this person treated me this way and she didn't say, and, and they didn't do this for me and stuff. Like that. And of course I, I don't expect people out there would, would really do that. Although I'm sure we've, we've all seen it. You know, you can, you can rush to, to management really early in the process. And I think we'd like to avoid that, but um, I think knowing that's an option I, I, is an important part of it. I think one of the things that helps with that tremendously, just from a, um, a tool for your toolbox perspective is the the debrief, right? Like when you have a team huddle at the end of the day, or if you have a process or a system as a team for when things do go sideways, sideways yeah. whether it's a full-time person or a part-time person, um, being able to say, 
hey, how could we do this better in the in the moment, like before everybody walks away for a week and then you circle back to it is so, so helpful. And so as a part-time doctor, like that is a tool that I have seen a lot of my part-time doctors really use to their advantage to say, hey, look, before I go at the end of the day, like especially on those days where things go sideways, where a patient gets a wrong medication, let's have a conversation and let's talk about what we could have done better. Is this, you know, not about whose fault is it or who needs to take responsibility for it, um, but how could we as a team make mm. it better in the future? Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a great conversation to have in the moment. I think that's I think that's really good. I think that's really powerful. I think for long term happiness, uh, the advice I would give to to our newbie part time vet for long term happiness is probably not going to come from any single conversation that you're going to have. Yeah. I, th- I think that long-term success comes from um, making small changes in the way that you behave and in the systems that you can control and the way that you do things, right? In the way that you interact with the staff. It's, it's, you're not going to go in and um, don't take them Panera and expect the relationship to unlock and right. now you're their friend. Like that's not how real life works. And it, it, you know, if you put yourself in their position, you'd be like, thanks for the Panera, you know, like uh, it scores some points, but it is not the, you know, the secret to instant relationships. Right. Um, this is just going to be about making small changes yeah. and being consistent with them. It's yep. consistent interest in the people that you work with. It's it's treating them with respect. It's it's listening to what they say, and then next week when I'm back in the office, I'm going to ask them how it went. Yeah. And how was the thing? How was so? How did the uh, rafting trip go? Yeah. You know that you yep. told me about last week. I, I, I'm gonna. You know those those are the things, and it does. It just it just takes some time, but um, but just small things, steady things, trust building, relationship building things, and, and wanting to be there, wanting to be a part of the culture. Um, and, and committing to it for the long term. And it might take you a year to really get to where yep. you feel like you're part of this and you yep. really like being there. Um, but but I tell you what, like um, small decisive action, you know, intentional action in, in, in integrating yourself into the practice while still being away most of the time, uh, you can 100% do it. Don't expect a one week or one month uh, fix. It's it's going to take a year or possibly two before yeah. you feel like you've built up that relationship with those with those people, so that you can truly rely on them and respect them. And just that's just the honest to god truth of seeing people one or two days a week instead of four or five days a week. It takes a lot longer. I mean, think about it. You know, if you were a brand new vet going in, it would be three months before you felt like you had a pretty solid kind of relationship. Well, if you're you're a new vet and you're only there part time. Right. Exactly. You're there a quarter of the time. It's going to take you 12 months instead of three, you know, and that that just makes sense. It will take you a lot longer if you don't decide to pursue it and actually consistently, you know, try to make those relationships happen. Yeah. And I think the last trick that I would throw out for our part-time newbie, in case they haven't tried it yet, is is being observant. And so what I mean by that is, it, okay, if this is, a you know, a, a queen bee kind of tech, is there another doctor that's there that this person works really well with? This is where it's okay to be vulnerable and to use your peers. So if there's mm-hmm. another doctor that that person works really well with, Ask that doctor to have a cup of coffee after work one day and have a conversation and just say, hey, I'm really struggling with my relationship with this person. Do you have any tips or tricks for how I can how I can have a better relationship? Because it seems like you guys work really well together, even if they don't have a friendship, just that personal um, mutual respect and professional trust. How do you how do you build that? It may it may be hard. That's um, getting out of your shell, particularly for someone who's introverted and asking for that kind of help can be hard, but that would be hugely, hugely impactful um, if you could lean into to that kind of relationship if it exists within within the practice. Oh, yeah. And that's that's just that's great advice for anybody, not even part time people, but anybody, anytime you're having trouble working with someone in your practice and someone else works wonderfully with them, just asking for some advice like, hey, you know, I feel like I struggled to connect with this person. You seem to work really well. Do you have any advice for working well with this person? 
and and I'll, sometimes they'll go. They'll have to think about it often, but mm-hmm. uh, but usually you'll you'll get something. And you know, people are fairly simple animals, uh, regardless of of who they are. But often there, you know, there are things where they say, "Well, you know, I, I find I I think that he finds it important for blank to happen, or he 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 feels very important when I." include him in this way or this is this is an area where i think he's very strong and so uh i make sure to include him in these things and generally he enjoys them and and we end up working very well together and when i don't let him do these things then uh you know our interactions aren't aren't as smooth and man if you get somebody who can give you insight like that man so valuable i love that um i mean it's i said we're we're all that way you know we all we all want things out of life. We all want things out of our job. There are things that make us feel appreciated and important. And there's things that other people wouldn't know that make us feel devalued or they make us feel disengaged or they take away the thing that really motivates us. And you can't you can't just look at somebody's face and guess what that is. You know, it's part of knowing them as a person. So if yeah. someone else can key you into those things or give you a little insight, um, it, it can it can make that relationship just so much better professionally. Use it to your advantage. Okay, <laughs> well, still, thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, I appreciate this it. Is great. I hope it was helpful for our for our part time newbie and um, for anybody else who struggled because these are these this is this is common. And like I said at the beginning, if you haven't experienced it, if you don't have part time team members yet, at some point you will because it's becoming more and more common in our in our field so yeah i completely agree yeah hang in there part-time uh new vet you're 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 just it's, we you're all doing go through a good exactly job what, yeah we all go through what you're going through hang in there have a great week guys see you guys well guys that was a wrap on another episode of the podcast thanks for joining andy and i this week as always we love spending our time with you and you know what we have a little bit of a favor to ask we would love it if you enjoyed this week's episode or any of the recent episodes that you have listened to we would love for you to do two things one go to wherever you get your podcast and hit the subscribe button that'll get the newest episodes delivered straight to your listening device as soon as they're published and number two we would love it if you guys could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from. The reviews are so helpful for us, not only in knowing what you guys love and what you'd love to see more of, but also in helping us spread the word about the podcast. So if you can take just a few seconds and tackle those two things for us today, we would absolutely love it. I hope you guys take care and have a fantastic week and we'll talk to you again soon.